joining us today on episode number 199 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're going to be talking about breathing for runners. We get questions about breathing, about how to breathe, should I breathe through my nose or my mouth. There's a lot of different questions we have as runners in regards to breathing. So today we're going to be talking about breathing while running and also while we're not running. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So breathing. It shouldn't be that complicated. It's something that we do automatically every day. Otherwise, we'd be dead. It's, it really is. It's a, <laughs> it's a good topic. Like It's one of those things that when you don't think about it, yeah. you're just breathing naturally. But it's, it's suddenly it, you think about it, and you're like, wait... Do, am I breathing in or out? How how often am I breathing? Am mm-hmm. I breathing too fast? Am I breathing too loud? <laughs> it's so funny. Like breathing really is such an amazing thing if you think about it. The fact that it just happens and we don't have to ever think about it. It's just something that goes on in our body. Breathing's kind of like running. It doesn't seem like it's that complicated. Mm. You know, how do I how do I run? Well, you know, lace up some shoes, head out the door and put one foot in front of the other one and and then do it quicker. Yeah, and I mean even without shoes, right? Like sure. when you're a kid, you're just running around in the grass in your backyard, like you want to get from point A to point B faster, you just run. I don't think I've ever seen our the one kid lives down the street ever in shoes. Yeah, he's one of those kids that definitely likes to be barefoot no matter what he's doing. He's shooting right down the blacktop. I'm like, that's got to be burning your feet. But he's also always at like full sprint also. Mm-hmm. Or on a scooter or on a bike or it doesn't really matter. Uh, barefoot scooter seems dangerous yeah. to me. It seems like a toenail loss waiting to happen, but I I speak from experience that is a painful activity. Yeah. So breathing is something that is obviously essential to life. We all know that, right? So today we want to talk about the importance of the breath, both when we are running and when we are not running. Um, We're going to talk about breath control. We're going to talk about different techniques to improve our breathing because although breathing is an automatic thing, there's definitely things that you can do to improve your breathing. So today we're going to talk about breathing from a couple different angles. The first thing we're going to talk about is nose breathing versus mouth breathing. What, what are you laughing at? Just breathing from a couple different angles. Breathing while you're standing, breathing while you're laying down, breathing <laughs> while in a handstand. Actually, those are very good I know, ways to like think breathing, about breathing. Breathing while you're planking. Like These are right. all actually really important angles to think about. Yeah, angles, positions, sure. all those things. Uh, but first, we're talking about nose breathing versus mouth breathing. We got um, some questions from some listeners about that. And then we're also going to talk about breathing while, while we're not exercising and then while we are exercising and some things to keep in mind and some different techniques to help us to improve our breath control so that we can run longer and faster without getting so tired. And really just do all sorts of other things like having control of your breath. It goes back to my whole idea of breathing is similar to running is it's something that you can sort of naturally do, but it's also something that you can improve. It's a skill that you can work on so that you have greater control, control of your limbs while you're running, but control of your breath while you do all sorts of things, whether mm-hmm. it's it's speaking, whether it's, I mean, I know at the start of the school year, if I have not been talking in front of a classroom for a long time, mm. my throat hurts by the end of that day. Yeah. And I know some teachers that are struggling partway through the day just mm-hmm. because suddenly they're talking so much mm-hmm. and it's, it's a lack of breath control. I really think that the endurance that I've built up as an endurance runner helps make it all the way through all five periods that I have to lecture through <laughs> on day one. Not only can you run an ultra marathon, you can teach five classes in high school. To like a group of 14 and 15 year olds who yeah. don't really want to listen. There you go. Those are practical things for life, Practical right? applications. The way that running can apply to our real life there every day, right? 
here. Okay, so let's first talk about breathing through your nose versus breathing through your mouth. So essentially, there's not really a good answer here. It's, it, if we want to go ahead and cut to the chase, you know, there are some people that like breathing through their nose, some people that like breathing through their mouth. Now, some of the benefits of breathing through your nose is that your nose is a natural filter, right? There are little hairs inside your nose that act as a filter to the air so that when you breathe the air in like dust and pollen and other particles that are floating around in the air that might be microscopic or non-microscopic, they get trapped in those nose hairs so that you're not breathing those things down into your lungs. Right. And you know this because sometimes you get like breathing in through your nose in like a dusty environment or whatever, and you just start sneezing Mm -hmm. because you have all those little particles stuck up in your nose, Mm -hmm. but at least they're not trapped down in your lungs, which would not be a pleasant place for them. Right. So breathing is just that natural filter, regardless if you're exercising or not exercising. So When we talk about breathing through your nose versus your mouth during exercise, nose breathing can help in cold weather. Do you want to kind of explain how that works? Well, I mean, your nose kind of acts as a filter, but it also acts before the breath like immediately hits your lungs. Mm -hmm. It does in fact warm itself up on, it's a short trip, but a short trip through your nose and Mm -hmm. through your nasal passages before it starts heading down into the lungs. Mm -hmm. It does do just enough to warm itself up. So, I mean, if you've ever tried to go for like really hard sprint kind of workout in the cold, cold weather where you almost have to flip over and be breathing through your mouth to just take in enough air, it burns the lungs. And like, if you really push in cold air, it it feels painful to the lungs. Whereas if you can take it at a nice, easy, relaxing pace and, and actually maintain most of your breathing through your nose, it's not that bad. Yeah. And the nose, like if you breathe through your nose, another benefit of nose breathing is that it can help to slow down and regulate your breathing, right? A lot of times, well, not a lot of times, it's just the truth that like you get less air in through your nose than if you were to breathe in through your mouth. Your mouth is much bigger than your nose. The passageway is much bigger. So one breath in through your mouth is going to give you more air than one breath in through your nose or that breath that goes in through your nose is going to take longer to uh, to get the same amount of oxygen in. We'll say it that way. Yeah, you have just have to keep breathing in and in and in yeah. through like little tiny nostrils versus a big open mouth. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can just really suck a whole heck of a lot more air in through your mouth. Right. So naturally, when you breathe through your nose, you're going to have to breathe slower and you're going to have to like have more breath control. This is why during yoga and meditation, they always teach nose breathing. This is one of the fundamental techniques of those kinds of practices. Yeah, because you show so much more control of your breath when you're going through your nose. Like in order to take that deep, satisfying breath, it needs to be a long breath. Like it's difficult to fill your lungs quickly when you're breathing through the nose. Like it's it's kind of a elongated, stretched out breath. And if you've ever tried this on a run, it takes a while to kind of feel like you're filling your lungs to capacity if you're purely breathing through your nose. Right, which is why most runners during exercise, especially harder exercise, tend to breathe through their mouth, right? Because when your body is working really hard and your lungs and the rest of your body are calling for oxygen, you're trying to get that oxygen into your body as quickly as possible, which would lead to more mouth breathing, right? Because you're getting more, like a higher quantity of air in faster versus if you were to breathe through your nose, it's going to take longer for you to get that same amount of air in. Right, but running at that slower pace and and breathing through your nose also, because you have greater control of your breath, does tend to 
to reduce the instances of side stitches mm -hmm. because you're just generally maintaining control. Now, some people argue, well, if I breathe only through my nose, I feel like I'm struggling breathing and then I end up gasping for breath and, and that, like struggling for air followed by gasping, followed by struggling, followed by gasping, is just showing lack of control mm -hmm. and that's exactly what leads to side stitches. Exactly. So ultimately, regardless if you breathe through your mouth or your nose, because Kevin and I kind of go back and forth on this because I taught myself to be more of a nose breather during running because I did want to slow down, focus on more of my like easy level two pace. I wanted to slow my breathing down and really try to control my breath. And so I made a very conscious effort to kind of flip over to nose breathing. But even so, when I'm running at higher paces, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the episode, I do switch over to mouth breathing because like when you're doing higher intensity, especially during races, especially shorter races, mm -hmm. um, where you're running at high intensities, it is just harder to get the amount of oxygen in if you're only breathing through your nose. Like I tend to do kind of a, a combination of both. I always thought that I did a combination of both. I always thought that I like really figured out how to be able to pull in both. And so I was running the other day and I'm like, because I don't run with like my mouth wide open, just mm -hmm. like, you know, pulling air in. Like I just kind of have a, a relaxed mouth and I do a lot of breathing through my mouth. It's, I've, I've done it for years. And I thought that I was simultaneously, because I worked on this during a, a meditation class I took in high school, to try and be able to breathe through my mouth and nose simultaneously. So I'm off running and I'm trying to breathe through my mouth and nose simultaneously. And as I'm running down the street, I covered my mouth mm -hmm. and I realized that I was not breathing anymore. Mm -hmm. So I really thought that I was breathing through my nose also, but I had completely stopped. So, you, can you breathe through your nose and mouth simultaneously? I don't think you can. I'm pretty sure there's a flap that prevents you from doing both yeah, at the same I time. I don't know if you can. Because I kept running down the street and trying both. And then I was like trying to breathe through my mouth and like plug my nose to see how that was working. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you can only choose one or the yeah, other. Yeah, choose one or the other. That's interesting. Uh, we'll have to do a little bit more research on that. But regardless if you choose mouth or nose breathing, the thing that you really want to focus on is belly breathing, okay? Yes. Diaphragmatic breathing is really what you need to focus on, and this should be practiced when you're at rest and when you're also when you're running and practicing this at all paces. So we are going to talk about that now, like, but let's first talk about that um, and just kind of the concept of breathing as a whole and then how that relates to while we're at rest and how we can improve our breathing um, using some techniques when we're not running. And then we'll go into how we can improve our breathing while we are running. Excellent. Yes, because I want to make sure that we really have plenty of time to accentuate whether you call it diaphragmatic or deep breathing or belly breathing, whatever it is, it's useful in all aspects of life because your breath really and the control over your breath also helps give you control over like mood and emotions because what it does is actually give you control over your entire nervous system mm -hmm. like your nervous system either operates in like a sympathetic or a parasympathetic manner essentially you're going to help me explain this a little bit better absolutely um but your breath control and your rate of breathing can actually help flip your mind flip your body from one nervous system to the other and help you feel calmer when you're actually feeling a little bit nervous. That's mm -hmm. why the whole recommendation of we well, just take a deep breath and you'll calm down. 
that's not just a baloney throwaway statement. That is complete truth. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath and you'll calm down. Right, for sure. So essentially we have two main systems in our body. There's the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. Our sympathetic nervous system is our fight or flight response. So basically this system is activated under stress. And it leads to different physiological changes in our body, such as increasing our cortisol level, which is one of our stress hormones that gets released. And then what happens there is that our heart rate increases, our blood pressure increases, it tightens up your blood vessels because it's readying your body for danger. It's, it's getting your body ready to react. So if you needed to get out of there and start running to either fight or flight, right? Like fight like off an intruder or run away from an intruder, you need to have like all systems on and ready to go, right? So you got to get those, those blood vessels constrict because you want to get the blood to the active muscles as quickly as possible. So you want to kind of make those pathways nice and narrow, and that's what increases the blood pressure. And then our heart rate also increases. That's why people like feel like they're pounding out of their chest like when they get nervous or when they get stressed out. It also increases the fat storage in our body. Um, when our cortisol increases, that also triggers our body to store fat because the parasympathetic is our rest and digest system. Um, and so that is kind of inhibited when our sympathetic nervous system is. So that's some of the changes that happen in our body during that. Right. So this whole idea of increased heart rate and blood pressure, you kind of want to like the sympathetic nervous system is a way to basically flip the switch and tell your body, okay, you're warmed up and ready to run. Mm -hmm. Like when you go, like you're getting ready for like a, a speed workout or something like that, you're going to go run for, for a few minutes literally to try and raise your heart rate so that your body's warmed up and ready to go. If you feel like you're in danger, your body needs to rapidly be prepared to take action. And so it flips on the, the sympathetic nervous system and your heart rate just naturally rises mm -hmm. and you're, you're ready to go right then. Right. The problem is that it also increases the fat storage. So if you're trying to get yourself warmed up for like a longer distance race, you're not actually going to be able to tap into your fat stores as a fuel if you're still in this fight or flight mode. Well, right. It, not as effectively, right? Not like, as effectively. Like you're, you're going to be able to start metabolizing the fat, but it's not going to be as effective as you do at lower intensities. Yes. Right. That's why those higher intensities, they, they pull from a different fuel um, source. Okay. So it's not as much fat metabolism because of those elevated cortisol levels in your blood and in your body that is telling your body to kind of store things away and make sure that we're good to go so that we can get out of here quickly. Um, and it's using those faster um, processing energy systems like glycogen and glucose and those kinds of things. So on the other hand, we have our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest system. This allows the body to relax, process foods and things that we have taken in through the day. We have lower cortisol and stress levels when our parasympathetic nervous system is activated. So this is just kind of like chill mode, right? Like our body kind of chills out. We digest our food. We kind of, you know, store things, burn things. We're just kind of like our body's good to go right now. Yeah. And so correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but it's not exactly a switch that you're sympathetic or parasympathetic. It's more like a dimmer switch. Yeah. That I you mean, kind of like correct. flow between the two of these guys. Right, It's not like on and off. Right, because People like to talk about it that way, but that's not exactly how it is. Because it's really... 
I mean, you can kind of judge which one you're closer to by the levels of cortisol mm -hmm. currently going in your body. And it's not like you either have cortisol or don't. It's right. just kind of a, the levels of it is how strongly you're swinging one direction or the right. other. Right. And cortisol is not the only hormone that's, you know, It's an in, easy one to, to track this. and that people like to talk about. Right. I mean, but it's also adrenaline. It's, it's epinephrine and norepinephrine. Those are like some of the other main hormones that are involved in the regulation of parasympathetic versus sympathetic nervous system. So... The good thing is that breathing, especially breathing deeply, like breathing just helps us to re regulate this, you know, our autonomic nervous system to figure out like which system we're going to favor. We're not, we're not going to say turn on or off, but like which way are we going to swing the pendulum, sure. right? Okay. So breathing deeply helps to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, which helps to regulate our heart rate and helps to decrease the excitability of the nervous system. So essentially when you are in fight or flight mode, right? Like all of the nerves in your body, the neurons are kind of like in, um, like prep mode, like they're like on, on alert, right? Yep. They're like, okay, I'm ready. Like if, if you need me to turn on, I'm here, I'm going to turn on. So they're, they're more excited, like the nervous, the neurons in your, in your um, nervous system, but in your parasympathetic mode, we're decreasing the excitability of the nervous system. So things don't change as quickly or as rapidly, which helps to also relax the blood vessels, decrease anxiety. This allows our body to relax and restore, repair and recover. Like, so this is definitely where we want to be on our recovery days, on our rest days is having this higher level, these higher levels of parasympathetic nervous system activity. Right. And, you know, depending on what kind of a, a race or, or what it is that you're aiming for in training, there is something to be said of trying to train your body to sort of live in that parasympathetic system at faster and faster rates. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're training for half marathon, marathon kind of distance, you want to be in that race mentality, but not so fired up like, yeah, it's a race, I gotta go. If you're going to be running for two to three hours, right. four is, hours. And this is why we, we teach our team all about effort level training. And yes. really, you know, those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while, you also know that we um, very much promote level two running or L2 running, that easy pace running that most of your running should be done at an easy pace, which when you're new to this concept, it seems very... Um, very new, very weird, very like unnatural. Um, like why would I run easy? Like my, even my friend the other day, like she's listened to our podcast before. She's one of my running buddies. Like she was like, I never really understood the concept of a recovery run. And then I had one and now I get it. Like, you know, once you actually experience how relaxed and enjoyable a run can be when you go easy enough, like you understand, like, yeah, you're out there working, your breathing is higher, your um, heart rate is higher than when you're just resting, but it's not like when you're out there pushing yourself to that medium heart pace. Right. So you kind of, you're, you're running, but you're running while still living in the parasympathetic. And then it helps train your, your mind that you can be running and still live in that more parasympathetic world mm -hmm. so that you can get into a race environment, a longer race environment. And just because someone fired a gun and people are running, you're not just suddenly firing on all cylinders, everything's shooting off in the brain, alarms going everywhere. Your body's just going to freak out and it's not usually going to work well for pacing for a really long, long race. Right. Because Paris, I mean, the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight is not designed for long, long times. Correct. It's designed for short bursts of like, 
high energy, right? Like if you have to sprint away from a saber-toothed tiger, you need to sprint maximum force, maximum speed, but normally a short distance of time. Right. On the other hand, if you're hunting down a gazelle, you have to be able to continue to run for Mm -hmm. days and days and days until the gazelle gets really tired and lays down and you hit it with a rock. (laughs) There you go. But so it's not that your sympathetic nervous system is turned off while you're running easy, but it's just there's more parasympathetic action happening there. Yes. And so the, the deep breathing, which you can totally do as you run and we'll get there, is something that will help let your body know, hey, it's okay to just sort of calm down mm-hmm. and relax and slide more parasympathetic. But before we get into the uh, the techniques for how to calm yourself down while running, let's just look at the overall breathing techniques. Right, because I think that it's very important for us to start learning these techniques at rest before trying to learn them while running. Like if you don't know what your body feels like, like what it feels like to take a deep belly breath or a diaphragmatic breath, if you're just sitting and resting or lying down or standing up, it's going to be harder, much harder for you to do that while you're running because it's, um, for some people, a very unnatural feeling, an unnatural motion. Like we've been, a lot of us have been conditioned to breathe more with our chest and our accessory breathing muscles. So your diaphragm is this dome-shaped muscle that's in your thorax. Like basically it rests right underneath your lungs above your stomach, okay? It's kind of like the the barrier between your lungs and your stomach. And that is your main breathing muscle. However, a lot of people in modern society breathe more with the muscles of their chest. So one quick thing that you can do to figure out how you're breathing right now, and if you're driving, please don't do this. Um, And if you're out on a run, do this when you go home. Later, you're going to put one hand on your chest and one hand on your belly. And just breathe normally like you you would without even thinking about it. And, And just feel which hand is rising. Like is the hand on your chest rising up and down or is the hand on your belly kind of moving in and out um is it a combination of both or is one moving more than the other right that's that's a good the good suggestion to it you can also look at yourself in a mirror mm-hmm. and if when you take a breath your shoulders move mm-hmm. you're breathing real high in your chest right which is why some people are like I, I go running and i finish running and like my shoulders and like right across like my pecs everything's just so so sore because i tried to run hard today it's like, well, those muscles, that, that seems like an odd choice of muscles to be sore. And it's because you're breathing so hard, but so shallow mm-hmm. that you're rushing your breath. People tend to start breathing super, super fast because they're trying to get as much oxygen in without ever taking like a full, deep, expanding your lungs kind of breath. Right. And then when, when you breathe that way, you're also only filling up some of your lungs. Like, like a third, quarter? Right. Like <laughs> it depends, you know, it depends on, you know, what what kind of runner it is or what exactly is going on, but, or even when you're not running, right? Like if we're just like sitting and resting, if you're a chest breather, then a lot of times you're only putting air into the top of your lungs. And we have many different lobes in our lungs. Like one side has two lobes, the other side has three lobes. And if you're not getting down to the depths and getting air all the way down in your lungs, you're not breathing fully, you know? So, and, and there are consequence, health consequences for that. Because those parts of the lungs just literally aren't ever doing anything. Right. And so they're not getting that exchange, that, that exchange of oxygen, you know, into the blood and taking the, um, 
carbon dioxide and all the things away from the blood and back out through the lungs. Like you should be expanding your lungs. Like your lungs are elastic. Like in your the muscle that your lungs um, are controlled by, the diaphragm is also it's a muscle, right? And this is why people when they're not used to breathing deeply and they get into a race or they're out on a run, they're more prone to side stitches because they automatically have to breathe deeper when they're out running, but their diaphragm isn't used to being activated that much. Right, which is why it's a really good idea to practice and make sure that you even know how to make this breath work in order to activate the the diaphragm practice this laying down mm-hmm. practice this sitting in a chair practice yeah. this standing you should tell them like the story about how you figured out how to do this when you were in high school when you, I like was, you said you you, you tr- did it in different positions i mean i, I did I, <laughs> I i was i would do it at school I, I would do it laying in bed at night also like i would lay down with like this sh- like on my back with the sheet on me and i would watch the sheet rise and fall i had a, a meditation class when i was a senior in high school and we were invited to lay on the floor as our teacher would leave us through a guided meditation i worked so much on my breath work through that to just train mm-hmm. like play with all this certain things like if i breathe like this can i make the chest rise more can i make the chest not move at all mm-hmm. like i practice so many different ways to try and make this go and eventually was able to gradually transition that over and play with all these different things as I was out on a run. Mm-hmm. And did you notice a difference, like an improvement in your running because of it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because, I mean, for probably the first couple of years of running, I had side stitches all the time. Like, definitely my freshman year, I had side stitches all the time. Mm-hmm. After that, I got side stitches a lot when I would run on hills. Mm mainly the downhills Mm -hmm. because I would hold my breath. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that. But that was a, that was a big issue for me on steep downhills. I tend to hold my breath because I was confident I was just going to fall off the hill. Yeah. So I just (laughs) held my breath. You're like some of the, the drivers down here in South Florida, like when they go up the hill, um, they're, they just naturally slow down because they're not sure if the road's going to continue on the other side. I'm convinced. Well, yeah, I knew that the, (laughs) I knew the path was going to continue. I was just not entirely sure I was going to be able to turn right as Mm. sharp as the path path turned right i thought it was going to continue straight into like the tree and the the cliff tumbling down the hill yeah all right so if you've never tried diaphragmatic breathing before we highly suggest that you try it so basically what you want to do like we just said is you're going to put one hand on your chest one hand on your belly and you're going to try to keep the hand on your chest nice and relaxed and quiet like you should not have movement in the hand that's on your chest and what you want to do is take a deep breath and let all of the movement happen in your belly and I think that one of the reasons that we have a hard time doing this is because a lot of us are tending to like hold our abdominal muscles tight right like suck in our bellies during the day and stuff and so to just like let your belly loose and just let your belly go and let air fill up your whole like you know all of your lungs and down into your belly it feels very strange for a lot of us yes it's it's an interesting look when you first start doing this but it's it's okay because you're taking an actual deep breath and you're doing what your body is actually designed to do Mm -hmm. and so that that is a positive thing so you can try this laying down is a very good way to start and then move to sitting in a chair and you'll notice that 
if you actually want to try and work the breathing correctly and figure out if you're breathing um, through your belly or, or keeping up in your chest, you pretty much have to sit with appropriate posture. If you slouch, it's really difficult to get any breathing mm-hmm. period, let alone to try and figure out where you're breathing from. Mm-hmm. So you sit correctly. You can try it standing um, and, and just try different like we said, try different angles yep. and see how this works for you. Right. And this is why like, you know, breathing and posture and running form are all inside pillar four of our real life runners training academy. Like these are also, these are skills that you can learn that can make you a better runner and they can also improve the rest of your life as well. Because when we breathe deeply and just bringing awareness to our body and to our breathing, we allow ourselves to be become more aware, to become more mindful, to consciously relax and just allow our thoughts to flow without trying to control them. Like these kinds of things can help you relax when you're not running and then they can also help you to relax while you are running. Like this is why meditation is so powerful and the, and the power of deep breathing. Like breath control can do so much for your body physiologically like we talked about by activating those parasympathetic Um, that parasympathetic nervous system decreasing the stress and the cortisol levels the anxiety everything in your body like your breath is literally the secret to just feeling better all around in your body yeah I mean when I I, my my experience with breathing really all goes back to well one trying to not get side stitches as I was running in high school but it really started coming together when I took that class senior year and I realized I can just lay here and I can almost get tired by just carefully breathing. Like Mm -hmm. he would go through meditation. Sometimes I'd follow along and sometimes I would literally just lay there for like 40 minutes of class, just practicing different breathing. Like, all right, class is 40 minutes. How few breaths can I take during this 40 minute class period? Mm -hmm. And I would just calmly lay on the ground and like, how deep of a breath can I take in and then hold it and breathe the thing back out? And I'd leave the class. I'd just be so peaceful. I think that once I took those skills and then started applying them to running and realized that the same deep breathing that I could get on an easy, relaxing run sort of matched the feeling that I would get on this easy, relaxing lay on the thick carpet and meditate for a little while, that's when I, I'm pretty sure at like 17, decided, okay, so I'm going to run marathons Mm -hmm. because I can do this deep breath work for a few hours and just be super peaceful through the whole process. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Then I raced a marathon. It's a whole different sensation. (laughs) Much much different. It's also an amazing mental workout, but in a different way than I was thinking (laughs) at the age of 17. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a perfect segue into us talking about breathing while exercising, specifically while running. So breath control during physical activity is also essential because you want to make sure that you're getting enough oxygen to the working muscles and also to your brain, right? It's very important that you get oxygen to your brain so that you can still be focused and thinking, especially if you're in a race where you have to focus on maintaining a certain target pace, like you're going to need some, some mental energy to be able to do that. Yeah. Lots of mental energy Mm -hmm. to be able to do that, whether that involves maintaining a super fast pace or not going out too fast, like just being aware, being in control, being in control, starting with control of your breath and moving that through control of your limbs, which moves into control of your pacing. It's basically just taking control of yourself and Mm -hmm. saying, look, I'm in charge of the current situation Mm -hmm. here and I'm going to take control here starting with this next breath. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you breathe too quickly, 
what can happen is it can lead to hyperventilation, which again, this is shallow breathing where you're really just breathing um, air into the top of your lungs. And what happens when you're not filling your lungs, you're not getting all of the oxygen that you are needed, you can get lightheaded, you can get dizzy, you definitely can start slowing down, you can get much more tired. Um, there's a lot of symptoms that you can get because of the hyperventilation. Yeah, because you feel like I'm, I'm breathing as fast as I possibly can. How, how am I possibly going to get more oxygen into it? Well, the problem is that your blood vessels like surround your lungs, like they are all over the place. So if you're only breathing into the very top of your lungs, you're only making that like carbon dioxide oxygen exchange all the way up the very top of your lungs because mm-hmm. that's what you're, that's where the oxygen is getting to. So you take those shallow breaths, you breathe in oxygen, but you're breathing back out most of that oxygen before it actually has any time to do any sort of exchange in your body. I mean, there's sort of an extreme version of this, and we're going to talk about the negatives of this in just a second, I think, but I know that there's some of these, like, endurance breath-holding people Mm. that they actually practice breath-holding while going out for a run. They'll take, like, a really deep breath and then run for a while, and they're not going to go to, like, a crazy level. I mean, they are. They hold their breath for, like, 20 minutes, but they practice it while trying to run while holding their breath, and... They've reasoned. It's like, I just took a huge deep breath. I have plenty of oxygen in my body right now to run for 10 seconds, 20 seconds. And they just keep stretching that distance out because they've taken this very deep breath and their body is able to just sort of actually go through the whole exchange. And all they'll do is hold that breath and then just keep exhaling out the poisonous carbon dioxide Mm -hmm. that they're making. But they won't take another breath in for several they build up to running for several minutes without taking a second breath really yeah wow so much of that is so mental too right because like your body starts to tell you like you need to take a different breath you need to take another breath you You know like your body goes on high alert and you don't need to take another breath no i'm not gonna do that like (laughs) that's like kind of a scary feeling like if you've ever tried to hold your breath underwater um, I know, you know, we used to do this as kids all the of time, course. right? Like you, you time yourself and try to hold your breath underwater as long as you can. Like when you're under there for a while, like it starts to feel awful, yes. you know, like it starts to feel like you're about to die. Like, and that's what your brain is telling you because that's what your brain is thinking is going to happen. Right. But I, I've read a thing and it's, it's very much related to running of when you're at that point where you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die. And anybody that's run like a, a longer distance race or a really, really hard 5k, I, I'm convinced has pretty much the same sensation. Mile two of the 5k with a full, full mile to go, mm-hmm. you're pretty sure you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And you have to convince yourself, no, I can hold this exact same pace and then still kick it in at the end. Mile like 20 ish of the marathon, you're pretty sure that you're going to die. And you have to convince yourself, nope, I'm still good to go. I have plenty of fuel in me. My legs are fine. I'm just going to keep going. Uh, the the book I was reading about these like long breath holding people, they said there's a point where everything in your brain is screaming you have to take a breath. And if you can just make it past that, and it only lasts for about 30 seconds, if you make it past that, you have another five or six minutes to go. Really? <laughs> just the casualness of the way that they said it, it, it sounds ludicrous. It does. 
but that's what they do. Like, you know, you get somebody who's never raced long distances and listen to us talk about, you know, after you've run 20 miles yeah. to just be like, no, don't worry, I've got another six in me. Like that also sounds ludicrous. It does. It's the same sensation of you just tell your body, no, no, I'm in control. Mm -hmm. Here we go. That's so crazy. So we are not encouraging you to do this by any means. Kevin's just telling you what's out there because holding your breath during physical exertion can be a very bad thing, especially if you have high blood pressure, heart issues, other problems, because holding your breath during physical exertion can lead to a sudden increase in blood pressure. This is called the Valsalva maneuver, which increases your risk for heart attack and stroke. Yes. Thank you for bringing that in. Which we do not recommend. So if you want to do this whole crazy breath holding thing that Kevin's talking about, you did not get that recommendation from us. No, we do not recommend this. No. I was just trying to relay something that I had read. It's about. a very interesting concept. I mean, it, it's under the same general category as crazy extreme endurance events. Right. There's, I mean, it's like a crazy extreme everything now, yes. right? Like there's people that sit in the ice baths for what, 20 minutes or yeah. something, you know, like, and they just sit there and they're just freezing. Like you see all the men doing their like manly retreats, manly retreat in, in an ice, the bath. ice bath, like huddled up next to each other, right? Cuddle, cuddled together in an ice bath in their manly, manly retreat. <laughs> it's so funny. It's interesting. And it's very interesting. But like, I feel like that's one of the things that's happening in our society right now is like, everything is extreme. Everything is polarized. Like, you know, we're talking about politics. We're talking about religion. We're talking about all these things and, and also physical things, right? This is, we, we released an article, um, I think it was last week, about the rise of ultra marathons, yep. about how much p- more popular ultra marathons have become over the last like 10 years. It's insane. Well, like ultra marathons are gaining in, in popularity while 5Ks are decreasing in mm-hmm. popularity. Because people want to go to like the extremes of everything. So many people were like, all right, I've checked my bucket list of a marathon. What else can I do? Well, and one I of the, the reasons that people like, like said that um, like in our article, it was about how so many people have done marathons now. Like doing a marathon used to be, I don't want to say an elite thing, but like a unique, you know, it used to be more unique. It it was kind of a crazy bucket list thing to say, I raced 26 miles. Mm -hmm. But now so many people are doing it that... It's not as special life to some people. Right. So, I think it's still amazing and special. Like if you run a marathon, that's still amazing and special. But some people are like they want to be kind of in a. I don't want to say elite. Is what's what's another word that I can use here? Like, it, but basically, an elite group of runners. It, it's not even elite. It, it's though. not elite. It's, it's, it's simply unique. Is unique. is yeah. more of the thing. Is there's fewer people that do that race, so mm-hmm. I'd like to do that. Which is funny because the number of people racing a 5K is now shrinking and shrinking. Eventually, people are going to swing all the way back the other direction. It's going to be like, all right, now the cool new thing to do is all out one mile races. Well, it's like cell phones, right? Like for a long time. To get cell smaller phones and smaller. were huge, and they got smaller and smaller and smaller, and then they got kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, so that we could put cameras and video cameras and like all sorts of things in our cell phone. Yeah, what movie was it that they the was it Zoolander that the guy had like the cell phone that <laughs> the was microphone? Like, it was the smallest little phone ever, <laughs> as though that was going to be the coolest new phone that you could possibly have. It was like the size of his like fingernail. Yeah, and then. Like, uh, two years later, phones just started getting bigger and bigger. Now it's basically a laptop in your pocket. Yeah, pretty much. 
Okay, so let's pull this back to running and breathing during running. Thank you. So <laughs> while running, you do not want to hold your breath. We do not advocate for that. You want to try to help regulate your breathing and try to keep it more rhythmic. So this is one of the things that I first learned that you first taught me um, because I used to get terrible side stitches. I used to have a hard time running more than like two miles. And um, Kevin basically taught me a technique called rhythmic breathing where you try to breathe in for four steps and then breathe out for four steps. Um, and as just a way to kind of regulate the inflow and the outflow of oxygen and of air in general, not just oxygen, of course, but the inflow and outflow of air and try to keep the inhale and the exhale relatively even. Right. And when you get into this, especially if you're prone to the stitches, you skip that like pause in the middle. It's really just breathe in and breathe out and breathe in and out. And four is a pretty good count to it. Some people get a little stuck with four because they're always start their breathing in when the same foot is landing. Mm -hmm. And so to that, the suggestion is really go three, three or five, 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 so that sometimes you start your breathing in when your right foot hits the ground and sometimes you start when your left foot hits the ground and it'll keep you from like I've seen people that have the constant side stitch and I'm like oh well you try some rhythmic breathing and you can see them they almost like lean slightly to the one side yeah it's a little hitch in their giddy up every time they start taking their breath in because they can feel that side stitch coming and they almost like lean into it to try and Mm -hmm. prevent it yeah so that would be one thing we would suggest for um, helping to regulate your breathing during running um, in addition to practicing diaphragmatic and belly breathing beforehand and then incorporating that during the run like trying to see if you can actually breathe down into your belly during the run is super super helpful Um, and then the last point we want to make is just um, when you're like lifting weights or doing strength exercises and other activities you want to make sure that you don't hold your breath with these things as well so I always tell my patients this is something I, I counsel my patients on all the time to remember the ease which is exhale, breathe out, exhale with exertion. So like whenever you're doing the harder thing. So if you're lifting a weight, you're going to you know breathe out as you're lifting it up and then you're going to inhale as you slowly lower it back down. That makes sense. I can follow along with that. Mm-hmm. I was uh, just listening to a podcast the other day um, with like a, a strength and conditioning coach and he was talking about how when he starts getting his athletes in and working with him, he really focuses on making sure that they've got the core fundamental movements down, but that they have core fundamental movements with appropriate breathing. Mm-hmm. And so he'll have them go into like a plank position and then vigorously breathe out. Mm-hmm. And like that forced exhale, which is also a good trick, like if you ever get a side stitch, yep. is that like forced exhale, it basically takes your rib cage and pushes it down and in, which automatically activates the diaphragm like your diaphragm gets like squeezed that way Mm -hmm. and so he's like no no no. really hard loud breath out and it forces the diaphragm and then when you bring it back in make sure that it's belly breathing so he'll have them go into plank while doing this like super hard breath out and gentle breath back in while holding really good form and doing this like really strong breathing and we use that as a way to then help transition to breath control well and actual 
other movements. Like mm-hmm. plank is the starting point because it's still a, a still position, right. like standing or sitting or whatever, but now you're activating the muscles and trying to put the breath onto it. I love it. Yeah, I feel that's even one more reason that I love the plank exercise. Oh, the plank's awesome. Yeah. So hopefully this was helpful for you guys. You know, the key is really to try to control, start to control your breath more when you're relaxed and not exercising. And then you can kind of take those lessons and let them flow over into running, into weightlifting and those kinds of things um, to help you control your breathing more, get more air to your working muscles, make sure that you don't get dizzy or lightheaded, like all the benefits of breathing. And then just when you deep breathe in your normal life, like we've talked about, it helps to decrease stress, decrease anxiety, and ultimately it just helps us to feel more at peace, like what Kevin was talking about. And isn't that something that we all want to feel? We all want to feel a little bit more at peace. Mm-hmm. And so in fact, just take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. It's gonna and it's going to be okay. It's going to be because taking be great. taking deep breath just makes it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so that's what we have for you today. We hope you found it super helpful. If you did, please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes and share the episode with a friend. We want to just continue to help more runners to understand how to make running feel better so that they can be healthy, fit, and strong no matter their age, ability, or experience level. And if you want help, if you want guidance, that's what we do. We love coaching runners to help individualize programs, to help customize plans for you to figure out where you are now, how can we get you to where you want to be so that you can be the healthiest, most fit version of you no matter how old you are, no matter anything that might be standing in your way, there are no such thing as limitations as far as we're concerned. Yeah, shoot, we went from, you know, laying on the floor meditating to ultra marathons. Let's do it. No limits. No limits. All right, guys, so as always, thank you so much for joining us today and for spending this time with us. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 199. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.